0: Steve Schutzer, a long-time orthopedic surgeon, co-founder and CEO of Upswing Health, a MSK program that is redefining how members can be supported and how costs for surgeries and expensive visits could be reduced. Dr. Schutzer has done thousands of surgeries and can pretty quickly ask a couple of questions about your joint pain and be able to tell you exactly what is wrong. And he is Passionate about improving healthcare costs and outcomes. Today, I'm so excited to have Dr. Schutzer join us on this podcast to delve into why MSK programs are important and where they are delivering impact to employers. You're going to learn some valuable insights on costs that are tied to surgeries that MSK programs can address, some different approaches to supporting members on a plan that are having joint pain and need to get access to care. The efficacy of these MSK programs and the return on investment for the employer and the plan sponsor. And what can employers, TPAs, and brokers do about leveraging these kind of programs? This program is brought to you by the Healthcare Administrators Association, HCAA. For over 40 years, HCAA has supported third-party administrators and the self-insured employer industry through educational opportunities from leading industry experts. For more information on joining CAA, please visit our website, caa.org. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar, and I'm on a mission to bring value to the healthcare industry through improved transparency. And my goal from this podcast is to give you one aha moment that you can implement in your business, whether you're a TPA, broker, or an employer. In my day job, I run a company called Zaki Point Health, that helps self-insured employers and their employees provide price transparency, direction, and a better understanding of value through a digital front door for the member that proactively steers the members. Please like or share this podcast on your favorite podcasting tool so we can bring together a community of like-minded professionals. We're pleased to have, as our podcast sponsor, Ikagai Growth Partners a valued sponsor of multiple HCAA activities. Ikigai is a growth consulting firm that works with two sister venture funds to find and support the growth of innovative new companies in the areas of healthcare technology and tech-enabled services. If you're part of the self-insurance industry and are looking to innovate, you might benefit from a relationship with Ikigai. Now let's jump into our conversation. Dr. Schutzer, I'm super excited to have you on our podcast today about the MSK program and particularly the work you're doing. But I just thought uh, to connect the dots for our audience, I wanted to just share, I started my career at a firm named Monitor Group, which was started by Professor Michael Porter, who has talked a lot about strategy. And as I understand from our conversations, your work, recent work, has been inspired by the work you did with Professor Porter And so we have some backdoor connection through a few degrees of separation. Perhaps you could tell our audience a little bit more about why should they listen to you and where you are with what you're doing with Upswing Health.
1: That's a great start off. First of all, it's a pleasure to be here, Ramesh. And that's a great start off question. I ask myself the same question many times, okay? Why listen to me? But I do think that I've had a, a unique, maybe unique background in that I've had great mentors from the business community, from the political community, from the healthcare community, and I've absorbed a lot over many years. I've always been interested in listening, being a good listener, marveling at how some people were so accomplished, and feeling, I'd like to do that someday. And when you get a little older, you start to look back at your life in mysterious ways, and I think in my life, it's been a a series of random seemingly unrelated, but mysteriously connected events and opportunities that have channeled my energy in a certain direction. It's not all luck. Some of it is kind of preordained, but I've had some interest in innovation for many, many years, and I think of innovation in two ways. We all come preloaded, I believe, to this earth with pretty good innovation, DNA, especially for the social innovation. We grew up in tribes, and we all want to make our community better. So I've had my finger in social innovation, building this center of excellence called the Connecticut Joint Replacement Institute. Now, why do I say that? We took 10 fiercely independent, fiercely competitive orthopedic surgeons, none of whom short on ego, as you can imagine, and we were able to bring them in, create a shared vision. We became a value alliance. We agreed to look at data. We agreed to standardize our protocols. That's really social innovation. You think about we did this in 2006, 2007, way before others did. So as a founding member and president of that company for so many years, I had to read about social science, behavioral science, modification. How do you get people to see your point gently? None of this is by fiat, right? You've got to use data and certain tools, but so I've had my, my hand in social innovation for some time, but also the technical side, which is more maybe left brain and right brain. But early on in my career, I have a couple of patents on orthopedic implants. So I was involved with the device industry early on. So the combination of social innovation and technical innovation and always looking for a way to do something better and being self-critical, you've always got to be self-critical. I think that may give me some legitimacy, but it's yet to be proven, maybe.
0: You have a really well-rounded experience of being a clinician and surgeon and bringing that into a new innovation Uh value-based model to now bringing this data and technology. So let's bring it closer to what our listeners are most curious about, why MSK programs are important. If you could put a context around this, how bad of a cost driver is this for self-insured employers?
1: Well, MSK is enormous. You know the total addressable market; it's about 800 billion a year, half in direct spend and half in indirect lost productivity and lost wages. The market itself is enormous, and as you know, being in your business, a data analytics business, when you look at the breakdown of spend, total cost of care spend by plan sponsors and purchasers, MSK is always one of the top three categories of spend. We looked at one national delivery company, 44% of their total cost of care was MSK. That's high. I mean, mostly you see is 20%, 22%, along with cancer care and cardiometabolic. And one in three Americans will have an MSK event every single year. So there's always an ongoing pool of people. The other is that in contrast to cardiometabolic and cancer care, it doesn't take three to five years to show return on investment with the models that we're going to talk about here, that it is so amenable to disruption and innovation. And we can show an employer in one quarter return on investment. So it's eminently fixable compared to the other service lines.
0: Maybe if we can drill down, what are some of the specific problems here, as you were describing the extent of this problem? What are some of the specific problems you're seeing?
1: You know, Ramesh, at the macro level, the problems with MSK delivery are the same for any other service line. It's access, lack of access, lack of convenient access. is a huge problem. Still, it's mean, very, very difficult to see an orthopedic surgeon, difficult to see a primary care physician. Alignment, silos, fragmentation, the, those are the problems that all service lines and all categories of spend are equally plagued by. And cost, affordability, lack of affordability. So those three problems are germane to all uh, of healthcare. But the problem specifically with MSK, think about this. And you've had these issues, I have. You have an ouch moment, right? You roll your ankle. You have two questions when you have an injury or an event like that. Promise You think, what do I have and where do I go? Right. Those are the first two questions in your mind. Did I break something? Do I need to run to the, and if you don't have a friend like me, that's an orthopedic surgeon, and I've got a lot of friends, you can imagine, you do tend to run to the ER, probably the worst place to go, you know, when you roll your ankle, because you sit there for two or three hours, get an x-ray, they put an ACE wrap on it, and they say, we'll find an orthopedic surgeon. We have these walk-in centers now, these so-called dock-in-the-boxes, and actually the data shows that they're more expensive than an emergency room, because they tend to see the patient back two three or four times, or if you're lucky, Ramesh, you call your primary care doc, and they'll say, yeah, come in in two weeks. And think about their plight in FIFA service They've got 15 minutes to see, for example, a comorbid, diabetic, obese patient in 15 minutes who says, on the way out, Dr. Ramesh, my shoulder hurts. Well, they say, Steve, I've got to get an MRI scan. I've got to get him into physical therapy. I don't have the time to talk about this. I got to get him out of the office. So they get an MRI scan. Or sometimes people will go to see an orthopedic surgeon. We were talking about this earlier today. There's a little bit too much of the hammer and nail paradigm. There is too much surgery being done. But the problem is that patients are often off on the wrong pathway. Why is that important? 40% of the patients I see Ramish, come to me with the wrong diagnosis. They've already had a diagnosis, inefficient, low-value care. 50% of them have acute problems, become chronic, and the Irony of all of this, especially with MSK, I really do believe that we all come preloaded onto this earth with some pretty good healing software that, given time and advice, will heal ourselves. It can't say the same for, for the other disciplines. But for MSK, a lot of these problems get better with simple advice. You don't need an MRI scan. You don't need surgery. You don't need injections and so forth. So it's a question of getting the patient on the right path right from the start.
0: So there's so many scenarios, as you described, Dr. Schutzer, where you might end up in the ER, you might get MRI from your PCP, you might go to the surgeon. Are you able to share what kind of a cost are we talking or this inappropriate spend at a per individual level? You talked a little bit about a third of people have some sort of MSK event every year.
1: Yeah, there is pretty good data today. And I think it's consensus based that 25 to 40% of MSK is waste, inefficiency, low value, no value, or potentially harmful interventions. That's a fact. We would never, ever miss that at all. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's no alignment through the continuum of care. You have care gaps, you have in-between spaces, patients don't know where to go, and it's a real problem.
0: And so with these kind of complexities, it sounds like even the layer that the member, the patient, does not know which of those choices to take, whether it's the PCP, the surgeon, the specialist, or get the MRI done, or wait and see. So there's a lot of these complexities involved on how patients should deal with this.
1: Let me give an example. We looked at some data from our lead client, a major state health plan who spends $2 million a year, $2 million, on ankle sprains. Not fractures, simple ankle sprains, right? It's about $2,000 per ED visit. I mean, w- we can solve that with a $23 Aircast from Amazon, $2 million a year on simple ankle sprains. And that's just ankle sprains. And unfortunately, if you look at the underserved population, Medicaid population, for example, not many private practices take Medicaid anymore, Ramage. So where do these folks go for every time they get a sore this or a sore that? They run to the ER. I mean, they're the most expensive for mm-hmm. orthopedics. So you can start to build a case that so much of what we're doing is inefficient, it's wasteful, and some of it is harmful.
0: And the $2 million that you mentioned for the ankle sprain alone, how big is that employer,
1: just to put things in context? This is an employer with about 200,000 members, beneficiaries, about 200,000. Got it.
0: So then what is your – how are you addressing this problem? What is the solution that you are putting in place?
1: We spoke a little bit about Professor Porter and a, we all stand on the shoulders of giants and he's definitely a shoulder that I, I've stood on. He, Professor Kaplan, Professor Ticeberg, they really are the architects of the value agenda that we all talk about now. And that really goes back 16, 17 years. Much of what they wrote about in redefining healthcare, now people are actually looking at. But one thing we learned, Ramishi years ago, when we built the Connecticut Journal Replacement Institute... We looked at the processes between the time you and I say, hey, I need my hip replaced. Between that time and the time I get you on my table, there are about 20 steps in that care path, right? And in our former institution, they would say, hey, let's do this. Let's do that. You cannot tinker with these complex systems. We like to say, you've got to blow it up and start over. And that's what we did when we built the Connecticut Joint Replacement. We started from ground zero, the way it should be, not the way it is, because you just can't nibble at the ankles. So my co-founder and I, Dr. Jay, as as you can imagine, I'm a joint replacement surgeon. Jay Kimmel is an orthopedic sports surgeon. We said the same thing about building our company called Upswing Health. You can't tinker with it. Let's start over. And keep in mind that 90% of orthopedics is not operative. It's practice in the office, in the urgent care, in the primary care, doctor, ED, chiropractor. It's all over the place. But 90% of what we do is non-operative. So we said, let's blow it up and start over and build an MSK system the way it should be today. And we did that with a three-tier stool. The first tier is to answer that question of what do I have and where do I go? We built technology first. So Jay and I built what we believe is the only pure play MSK symptom assessment tool on the market. And I'll tell you, the first version was pretty dumb. It was very linear thinking. Second version, we brought in some really smart docs, and uh, it's built in decision tree logic. So it asks you questions. If you go to upswinghealth.com today, say you have an injury or wrist or your foot, you point to where it hurts, and it asks you questions. Using that really replicates the doctor-patient relationship in my office. Was well, there an injury? Where does it hurt? Does it click? Does it radiate? It goes through all of that, and it generates a differential list of conditions very quickly. I mean, a matter of seconds. That gives the patient some idea what the problem is. The patient can then click on that problem, and they're instantly led to a series of PDFs. We wrote. PDF content-based curated PDFs for 160 different orthopedic conditions that's written, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it's written at an eighth grade level. Why? Because if you go to, I won't mention other names, but certain other sites, you read that, you think you're going to die of bone cancer. The last line is this could be cancer. You better run and go see somebody. It could be one in 10 million. So wrote it at, at a very simplistic level Patients love it. Google loves it. We're ranked number one for 10 of our conditions. But patients get some insight. In that PDF, Ramish, is when do I need to see a doctor? When do I need x-rays? When do I need an MRI scan? Click on another button. It gives them some exercises, some self-help tools to start stretching their shoulder, start strengthening their ankle independently. And you know what? 1.46 million people around the world have used this tool throughout COVID, to perhaps not go to the emergency room. We don't have follow-up on those patients. We haven't monetized it yet. But 1.46 million, 2,000 people a day use our site to get information. Now, that's not enough. Even the kids today want to talk to human beings. So Jay and I built as a second stool in our company, a human touch. And as smart as our algorithms are, I think our humans are smarter. And we looked at what who should be the front line, who should be the the first responders for a company. And Jay, being a sports doctor, works with a group called Certified Athletic Trainers. And, and we landed on, we call them ATCs. These are young women and young men that have masters in kinesiology and movement. These are the people that run onto the field, take care of injured athletes, act as a liaison between the athlete and, and the physician, and are really good at giving general advice. So, If you're in one of our programs, Ramesh, we have these people available 12 hours a day, seven days a week, usually by Zoom. And they will connect with you and go over your differential, go over your responses. We now have a company called um, Extra, which does on the iPhone, something called pose recognition technology. It's what all of the companies used to use with a bunch of wearables. But now you can do it right on your iPhone. It's a commodity today. But you can get some objective information from the patient about their range of motion, their strength, and so forth. And now our trainers, their coaches, now will direct you to a MedBridge-based video exercise specifically for that problem. But think about this. This is what the coaches can do that I can't do. I don't know if any other physician does. They'll say, hey, Ramesh, let me check back in four or five days. Let's see how that shoulder's doing. Make sure you're doing your exercises right. We're not doing physical therapy. These are self-help rehabilitation tools. But let's check back. And let's check back. And they engage the patient in their own recovery process. And the patients love it. Our last MPS score was 84. But let's say the patient, A, has a red flag. So I think, maybe I think you said your son is a skier. But God forbid he twists his knee and has a pop. And fills up with fluid, his blood. They need to see a surgeon. You don't need three months of physical therapy. I mean, he's torn their ACL, right? They need to see a surgeon. Our coaches know that. Or alternatively, somebody who their ankle and after five, six days, having trouble weight-bearing, the coaches smell the problem, it'll escalate to our third stool in our platform. And that is within 24 hours, we can see an orthopedic specialist who will go over the same story, go over their exam virtually, go over the differential, and we now have a relationship with a company that, for all intent and purposes, is an imaging concierge. So if I say, you know what, we better get an X-ray on that, or I need an MRI scan, we can still keep the patient in our fold. We don't have to refer them out for CAT scans, MRI scans, and keep the patient within the upstream model. So with all of that said, those three tiers of that stool, the platform is all virtual, we're taking care of over 85% of the patients that come to us, which we define as low and medium acuity, not compound fractures and not bone cancers, but we're taking care of the majority of our patients, all virtually.
0: So it's the three legs of the stool, and you've got really thought it through. Let me understand. So 85% of the cases are dealt with between those three stools, leg of the stools. This is for cases where it's clear that it's not a a fracture, it's clear that the patient kind of knows, like, look, I've broken something, I've got to go. Absolutely. Got it. What happens in those 15% of the cases where you're not able to take care of them?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting because the last time we looked at our data was 20% we were referring out, but 5% was strictly for imaging. We just wanted to get an X-ray, want to look at the meniscus, look at the ACL, get an MRI scan. So it's 15% or a little bit less. But think about this. Our value proposition to our clients is we're responsible for this injured from the ouch moment all the way through recovery. So let's say we have to refer out. Well, now we're referring out with a diagnosis. It's not like, uh, Ramesh, here, go call Dr. So-and-so, go find yourself an orthopedic surgeon, go find a physical therapist. The downstream providers that we refer to are either virtual physical therapists, brick-and-mortar physical therapists, or orthopedic surgeons. And that's a decision that our doctors make. And they know. Some people just say, you know what? I need somebody to put my hands on me. They don't need to see an orthopedic surgeon for that. They can do some uh, brick and mortar physical therapy. But those are the three categories that we refer out to. And what do we ask for in return, right? We don't charge for that. Obviously, you, you can't. We ask for an expedited appointment. If we're going to refer a patient to you, we want an expedited appointment. And I want to know the outcome of that experience so that I can collect that data and report back to our client or or our cell phone, employers, or wherever that may be, advanced primary care, direct primary care, and let them know the outcome of that experience. So we want to navigate that care journey from ouch to recovery. And that's our value proposition.
0: So then you have all this data on these outcomes. What has been the impact, whether it's for patients who have been dealt with within your system of upswing health or when they've gone out and we be, have been referred? What are the impact outcomes? And then if you can put that into an ROI for our yeah. listeners.
1: Let me start with a real life case, just to identify one of the opportunities we've had for our lead client. So there's a patient here who's a principal. She had a right shoulder problem. She saw an orthopedic surgeon had a MRI scan. She told she to had a rotator cuff and was scheduled for surgery, Ramesh. She heard about this benefit through her employer and reached out to Upswing Health, reached out to her coach, answered the questions. The coach took some measurements and said, this sounds like frozen shoulder to me. In other words, adhesive capsulitis is the orthopedic name, but frozen shoulder is a common name. And you know what? Let me escalate this to one of our orthopedic specialists. So the patient did that. And sure enough, we looked over the MRI scan. I wasn't the one. And she had a little ripple in the rotator cuff, but she had adhesive capsulitis, frozen shoulder, arguably the worst patient to operate on because they don't get better, they get worse, right? What she needed was time, some anti-inflammatories and some hand-on guidance and structured physical therapy, right? And she got better without that. So we have plenty of patients like that, but this is a patient who we saved our employer $35,000, not insignificant, maybe more. But we saved the patient a world of hurt, right? The rotator cuff ripple she had was characteristic of age. I and mean, I'm sure I got rotator cuff from. We all do at a certain point. But frozen shoulder is a very specific diagnosis and generally is treated without surgery. So that's just one case to highlight what we do. But I'll give you some numbers. So we did a, a pilot study with a large client, state health plan. And we, we ran that pilot for 15 months. The model that I had, the three-legged stool I just mentioned to you, Upswing Health, we ran that model for 15 months. I must say, we paid for it. It was a no-cost uh, study. And when we call it timeout after 15 months. And we asked our client to then do a dive into the data. And they have a third-party actuary. We had nothing to do with the data. It was obviously hands-off. But the actuary reported back some data. It was about a year ago now. And what we found, you know, it's one thing to say the a model works, but it really is good to have data that corroborates it, right? Otherwise, you got nothing. And what we found in the aggregate is that the patients that use Upswing Health had a 38% reduction in orthopedic encounters over the course of that 15 months, which saved our client $1,100 per member. And when we break that down, I'm going to look at some of my notes. less surgery, 25% less ER visits, 21% physician visits decreased, 46% less physical therapy and chiropractor, 61% less injections, and 38% imaging. So these numbers aren't perfect. They're claims-based. You could go up and down and say, but it tells a story, right? Whether the numbers are specific or not, it tells a story. And the way we were to corroborate to some extent that promise is that we did a survey of the patients that used our model. And here's what they said. 59% told us that had they not had upswing health, they were going to the ED or to urgent care. That's what they said. 46% said had they not had upswing, they were going to see a physician for that problem. So it corroborates the data that we got from uh, our client. So the model works. And I think in the next three to five years, most major service lines will become virtual first because we can solve many problems virtually. And if we can't, Ramesh, we can at least navigate the patient on the right pathway towards recovery.
0: You know, the underlying numbers, that, as you're sharing, they all range from 40% reduction to 60% reduction, whether it was injections to ED visits to whatnot. It seems like there is just an overall overutilization and the fundamentals of having this virtual model like yours with these three levels, it's just guiding the member, the patient through those stages and then forty to sixty percent of the utilization is removed. Well said. Got it. And then how does your model work? How do you charge for it? And how do you Look at the overall ROI for the employer. So, if an employer, a 2000 employee life or a 1000 employee life employer wants to use your program, what kind of ROI would you imagine? Yeah, yeah.
1: well, the ROI we, we've spoken about, it. I mean, and it, as I mentioned earlier on the podcast, it doesn't take two or three years to realize. I mean, it's kind of a direct line to savings. And and we said earlier 25 to 40% of MSK is waste. Our data would corroborate that as well. Um, And not only is it waste, as I mentioned with this particular patient, we save a world of hurt. How do we get paid? We're flexible, Ramesh. We have a little bit of fee-for-service direct-to-consumer. That's really de minimis. Some people in the self-funded employer space, I got a sense that over the past 10 years, they've been a little bit burned, fleeced by the wellness industry and a lot of PEPMs where no one got well and no one used it. So out in the market today, there's a little bit that we talk about PEPM or even PMPM, a little bit of hesitancy. So with some clients, we do a case rate. We do a a bundled service of these three-legged stools per month at a very, very reasonable price point. We cap it at three months, and our average engagement is 45 days. That's all. Either they get better or they're going to get referred out. Most of them get better. So we have case rates. We do have PEPM and PNPM blended with a small case rate. What I like about that model, Ramesh, is if it's a case rate alone, it puts all of the utilization rate uh, risk, that is, on upswing. Well, it sounds good to the employer, except if their employees aren't using it, they're not getting the benefit, right? I'm always one of thinks about, how do we get symmetrical risk and symmetrical gain? And I think having a small case rate And a small PEPM is probably where the industry is going to be moving. And, of course, being a a Porter uh, and Kaplan and Ticeberg disciple, talk about shared savings. To Jay and I, that's nirvana. All right. But, you know, the only folks that are, as you probably know, moving to that level of global capitated risk are technology-enabled, well-capitalized advanced primary care groups, direct primary care some virtual primary care groups that are taking TC's global capitation, we would be more than willing to share risk in terms of managing your MSK fund. I think that's where the opportunity is, but most of the folks in the self-funded employer space are not quite ready for that now.
0: This is great. The model is great. The results are great. And then There are obviously tons of other programs like Hinge, SWOG, CHI. How do CHI. How are you different from them, and what is your magic sauce compared to these yeah. programs?
1: You know, Gronish, that is a great question because Jay and I have been hearing that on every call for the last three years, so you're not the first to ask that question. But you know, it's really interesting. I think the market now is actually sorting out the answer to that question. Not completely, but we're hearing more folks in the self-employer space, CPAs, and benefits consultants seem to understand intuitively after we present our model where the difference is. We're not a physical therapy company, and we never will be. We're not going to hire a physical therapists, And the digital therapeutic companies that you just mentioned do a great job of what they do, but they're not orthopedic companies, right? As someone once said to me very recently, he said, Steve, I guess what you're saying is that everybody with a sore back doesn't need to see an orthopedic surgeon or a neurosurgeon. Well, everybody with a sore back doesn't need to see a doctor or physical therapy, right? They can be taken care of with a lower level of care. So we look at our digital therapeutic, Hinge and Kai and Sword Recovery One, really as collaborators and colleagues that we need to refer into them, the appropriate patients. So I think if we're going to solve the healthcare problem today, Ramesh, we need to stop thinking about they're this and they're that. We need to work together for the common good and solve these problems, and there's plenty to go around. So we look at our digital therapeutic companies, really collaborators and not competitors.
0: Interesting. Okay, that's helpful. And I guess if you are really then offering this to these self-funded employers, is it like a right size employer where this makes sense to them? And here's where my question is. upswing health is one solution, you've got diabetes program, you've got this program, you've got that. There's a whole bunch of these point solutions. So another big challenge that the employers face is how do they manage all of these point solutions? How do they then promote to their employee, the member, the patient? And hence, what is the right way for the employer to access your kind of programs and the patient for that matter?
1: Yeah, that is that is a major challenge in the system. And many large employers, Jumbo employers, even also Jumbo, now have navigators to guide the patient. They're oftentimes nurse navigators to guide the patient to the right solution. But I think my vision, Jay and I's vision together, is that we need to aggregate with other chronic condition management companies. So we're now forming a relationship with a weight management company, Right we want to then move with the behavioral health company. Because guess what? 40% of my patients have weight problems and behavioral health problems. So I think it is incumbent upon us not only to manage our own ecosystem, but then blend in, back to our friend Professor Porter, talked about an integrated practice unit. We don't have to have MSK here, but all the wraparound services that intersect, I think we need to aggregate our services and make it easier for employers to benefit from these solutions.
0: Yeah. So that level of aggregation has to happen uh, as yeah. so you are building those partnerships. Kind of bringing this to earlier, and you talked a bit about about a third of people have some event in a year. How do you identify those members, patients in a population, given population? What kind of data do you need to be able to serve that, identify that patient and serve that patient?
1: think about upswing as a giant funnel, right? We're a giant on-ramp for patients with MSK problems. And then we filter them out. We filter them out with technology, information, coaches, physicians, imaging. And at the very bottom sits surgery, right? It's an upside down funnel. So we filter them out through using our technology. The patients come to our site and they answer these questions it's pretty good. We've actually tested these algorithms. Now, I mentioned before, Ramish, really quickly that we on the second version. We've tested this in the office with orthopedic surgeons and orthopedic PAs, and the concordance rate was 75%. That's without touching anybody, without any imaging. We're now in the final throes of building version three, which is going to have imaging built into the symptom assessment tool. Now we think our accuracy will probably be in the mid to high 80s. All right. So we filter them out through that. But patients come to us with MSK problems. We we don't if they're in one of our programs, they have to enter some credentialing information to be credentialed and so forth.
0: So Dr. Chester, do you imagine giving this virtual diagnostic tool that you described that you have developed for free to all health plans and TPAs and listeners on this podcast, if they get excited about what you have, are you willing to offer just that diagnostic to them? Or how does that work? How, what can they do with you?
1: Yeah, that's another great question. And just as I indicated, our flexibility in terms of our payment models, we're also flexible in terms of the offering. Some companies do want a SaaS product only. They just want the technology. Thanks. And we understand that. Arm certain primary care docs, they may be all they want. They've got their own orthopedic relationships. They want to be educated. And for a very small PEPM, we can white label ourselves. Some people just want the the technology and the coaches. They have their own doctors. Thank you very much. And some people want it flipped around. They want just the orthopedic specialists, right? So the model is, and then there's a whole enchilada. So I think our flexibility is resonating in the market. But yeah, if anybody's interested purely in, in our symptom assessment algorithms and tool, we can have that conversation as well.
0: Wonderful. This is so many different ways they can actually take away the things they can do, particularly to address this massive problem of MSK. Yeah. If people want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, they can use my email, upswinghealth dot com. My cell phone is 860-212-2864. I'm easy to reach. And I do think, Ramish, the work that you're doing and your community that might be listening to this Really have an outsized opportunity now to really make this happen. Especially under the new structure of the Consolidated Appropriation Act, the TPAs getting the employer their data, the EBCs getting their data, creating the appropriate plan design, looking at the information that you create with your company, ferreting out the uh, the insights, the outliers. We're all part of this solution. But I do believe that the folks in this ecosystem of the TPAs of your brokers and consultants. And your data analytics companies right now have an incredibly outsized opportunity before the window closes on all of us.
0: Yeah, no, I get super excited about all these innovations and how these innovations could be brought in front of that patient that member right. and also those employers who are paying arm and a leg for this which ultimately we are paying as consumers through our employers so how do we bring these effectively uh, is a really a uh, big goal of mine as well so thank you very much for taking the time today and discussing this with
1: our audience yeah thanks It's my pleasure indeed good luck with your adventure as well
0: and i would like to thank Ikigai growth for sponsoring this show please join us again for another podcast in the series, brought to you by ETCAs Voices of Self-Funding, please like and share, so we can build a community of like-minded people and tell us about topics that we should bring to you next. Please watch your email for updates on upcoming guests. I'm your host Ramesh Kumar of Zaki Point Health.